This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, champs, to another episode of Keeping Carlson Short Shifts. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me by your other, joining me, in fact, is your other host, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, I have to thank you. You took the time to wait for me. I was predisposed on Thursday evening. That's our usual record time. And you were gracious enough to wait for me. So thank you to you, sir. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. I'm glad you got to go see the Flames beat my opponent's goaltender. Uh, and drive him into negative points. So that's always a, a nice fantasy surprise for me. Yeah, that was awesome for me. I have never seen the Leafs live, uh, have never seen so many Leafs fans in one place before, and seeing their hopes and dreams shattered all at once. Uh, it's tremendously satisfying is how I'll describe it. I'm not even a Leafs hater. It's just watching them lose is is never not fun so uh ben you've called brady kachuk your garbage son in the past and i wanted to know how does his attempt to steal caden primo's first victory puck uh luckily thwarted by an eagle-eyed carrie price rank on your garbage o meter from legitimate gamesmanship to licking your opponent in the face i so i was out last night i have no idea what you're talking about did this get reported last night yeah, so uh, on Wednesday night, Caden Primo and the Canadians beat the Senators in overtime, uh, and Brady Kachuk tried to make off with Caden Primo's uh, first victory puck, but Carey Price pounced on him and made him give it back. I don't know if he like picked him up by the ankles and shook him upside down until it fell out, but that's how I like to imagine it took place. So this was reported by multiple people? That is correct. This is a real thing that happened. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I don't care about victory pucks or whatever. Like, I'm sure they're important to the person who gets them. Um, if it was a player I cared about, maybe I would I would care more. But on the garbage-a-meter, this one ranks low for me. All right. Fair enough. Just was curious there. So, folks, uh, as you may know if you've been listening to the show for a few weeks now, Lewis and I have had some trouble getting in some plugs. And so we are going to introduce a new segment here. It's called Phone a Friend. We had our pal Thorny call in to give us a hand with the audio for uh, a certain plug that we've been having some issues with. So we're going we're gonna to play that now. Ben Burnett, Louis Ezekiel, this is Thorny checking in from his mother's basement where it's currently colder than Matt Dumba's stick. Gentlemen, I want to first apologize for not being a patron to the Facebook page. Mother does assure me if we keep the temperature low throughout the rest of the month of December, she will loan me the necessary funds for me to realize my New Year's resolution, which is to be a patron of that Facebook page. Just one of the many tentacles of the global Keeping Carlson podcast network. 
Gentlemen, today I'm here to render some URL assistance for GameDayLineTweets.com. That is GameDayLineTweets.com. Line with no S, tweets with an S, dot com. And what happens when you type in that very clear, very simple URL into your browser and press enter? Boom! Practice updates from the morning skate featuring line combos to give you all the information you need to win your day. Uh, I love it. That's outstanding. <laughs> it's Even so good. Tagline. Yeah, we're going to be out of a job soon, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, so, so, folks, if you want to give us a hand uh, with our plugs, which we clearly are not equipped to do ourselves, please email us at averagetimeonice at gmail.com. You can do the game day line tweets.com plug. You can, of course, plug, as Thorny mentioned, the Keeping Carlson patron group at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Or you can plug one of a number of Twitter accounts, which I'm going to leave Lewis to plug so I can get out ahead before I screw something else up. All right. So please give us a follow. Me and Ben and our friend Jade can be found at AVG Time on Ice. Obviously, we have the at Keeping Carlson account and then at Game Day Lines if you want to see live updates uh, from those practice lines from Elon. All right, let's move right into it. We, of course, are going to start with our headlines. Later on, we're going to get into the Patron 5, a list of five players who voted on by the patrons of Keeping Carlson, who just some players they wanted us to do some deep dives in, see if our the stocks have changed too much since the beginning of the year and what we expect from them going forward. We're going to start tonight as we start every episode now, I guess, with a new coach being fired. Pete DeBoer out in San Jose, uh, as, long as, as well as several assistant coaches, Um, This is the fifth team to fire their coach in the past, what, like month? Uh, And early results, not so great. They immediately gave up a hat trick to noted superstar Artemi Panarin and lost 6-3 to my truly, truly terrible New York Rangers. Um, Just off top, we've seen two big changes last night. Uh, Timo Meyer off power play one in favor of doubling up on Carlson and Burns on that top unit. They had been rotating them in and out uh, each power play opportunity and they put together a fun overpowered top line of Evander Kane, Logan Couture and Timo Meyer while hurdle centered Thornton and LeBanc on line two. Is it too early to take these lines as gospel moving forward or can we start to draw some fantasy implications here, Lewis? You know, we talked last episode about when we think lines will kind of stick and said, you know, they're more likely to stick after a victory. So I think after this loss to a fairly bad team, I don't know if I want to put too much stock in the lines that we saw out there if they weren't able to get a win over the Rangers. Uh, so I would say take a wait-and-see approach. Make sure that we are you know, staying up-to-date with what those lines are going to look like. I think within you know a week or so, we should have a much better idea um, about how the Sharks are going to be run from this point forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We will get into a Sharks forward in the Patron 5. Uh, in the short term, though, Lewis, any thoughts on the Sharks moving forward? So for one, I think Peter DeBoer will be starting his Arya Stark bedtime revenge list with Martin Jones and Aaron Dahl. An easy way to get yourself fired is to have terrible goaltending, and the Sharks have had two of the worst this season. Before thursday night's action jones has posted a really bad start rate that is uh starts with a save percentage below 0.850 
in 26.9% of his games. And again, this is before last night's really bad start. And Aaron Dell has a whopping 45.5% really bad start rate. That's just awful goaltending. And I don't know how much head coaching can really do. Here's another one for quality starts. Jones ranks 50th out of 53 goalies with at least 10 starts in his quality start rate. One slot above him is Aaron Dell at 49th out of 53. Really tough look for the Sharks. I think that this is pretty much what we thought we were going to get out of the Sharks this year. And so overall, what we haven't seen, though, or what doesn't often get talked about, is that this team was truly dreadful at actually preventing chances on their terrible goaltenders, which, I mean, if you're going to have bad goalies, you should at least do a half-decent job of protecting them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they were fourth in expected goals, four per 60 last year, um, expecting to get about three per game. They're down to 13th this year at 2.67, uh, and they were 12th in expected goals against. They've dropped now to 28th, giving up nearly three goals a game. Uh, notably, they've had a 7.6% drop in their power play efficiency, um, which dropped them all the way from sixth in the league last year down to 23rd this year. Losing Pavelski really seems to have hampered the power play more than expected. And given how Pavelski has produced this year, I would wager that he and the Sharks miss each other quite a bit. You know, the Sharks have been one of those teams that has been worried about the window closing for years, um, but it may slam shut on their aging core if they miss the playoffs this year, especially because Ottawa holds their first round pick in 2020. So you know that they are rooting for the Sharks to fail. Can a new goalie coach fix Martin Jones, uh, or is he just is what he's going to be, a below-average goalie overpaid at $5.75 million through 2023-24? Maybe if the Sharks can start to play a tighter defensive game, they might be able to help out their goalies. Um, but obviously last night against the high-event Rangers, they were unable to uh, tie up some of those chances. Really weird career for Martin Jones, like very average goalie through his first five or six years. Up until 2017, 18, he had never like he he was still a 915 goalie. And then just the last two years, the uh, the wheels have really fallen off. I wonder if it's uh, it must be a result of our, our podcast namesake, Eric Carlson, coming on board in San Jose, huh? Yeah, I wonder about that. You know, uh, obviously you're getting a lot of offense and he's been criticized for his defense in the past, I think pretty uh, uncharitably. Um, but for whatever reason, the changes in San Jose have not seemed to help very much on the defensive end uh, for these these poor goalies who, again, are not performing up to par, but are not being given good situations to perform in either. Yeah, I am also just kidding. I'm not a crab person who hates Eric Carlson. <laughs> uh, just trying to trigger Brian and Elon here. Moving on, we have seen uh, another staple of the hashtag ban practice movement of which Lewis may be the foremost member. Thatcher Demko suffers a concussion in practice. He's out for an unknown period of time. In the interim, the Canucks got an incredible goaltending performance out of Jacob Markstrom last night. I think he had 40 saves in a in an overtime shutout of the Carolina Hurricane, or he had more than 40. I checked in the third period, it was 41 saves. So yeah, a ton of saves from Jacob Markstrom, by all accounts, an incredible performance. But Thatcher Demko out with a concussion. Markstrom owners, and not to minimize what is like obviously a serious brain injury for Demko, but Markstrom owners must be pretty happy to see him get a run of starts here. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, obviously, last night was a spectacular performance. Overall, Markstrom's 
done about what he's been expected to do so far this season. Um, before last night's game, he was at a 9.17 save percentage uh, with an expected save percentage of 9.19 and was just a hair under expectations for goals saved above average, uh, which puts him uh, around the middle of the pack of goalies with at least 700 minutes. Uh, as of last night, he was sandwiched between Mark andre Fleury and Andre Vasilevsky. Um, it is a little worrisome that Vancouver is 25th in the league and expected goals against per 60. You know, you can see some of that coming through with the barrage of shots that he faced during last night's game. Um, but Markstrom has been able to put up acceptable to good numbers uh, in the meantime. And I think it'll be a bit of roster relief for those Markstrom owners to know that they're going to be getting um, some reliable starts, at least in the near future. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too in the weeds with Markstrom numbers, Markstrom's season long numbers. He he had that, you know, he went through a difficult family time about halfway through the year and he had started so hot and then came back a little slow. So I'm not overly concerned about him not having elite level numbers. I think he's going to be a great play season long. Uh, the Canucks are going to be competitive just based on having such a good, like elite level top line. And I think Jacob Markstrom is capable of keeping them competitive in that like six to 10 range of teams in the West. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, uh, they're really putting it together on offense uh, very nicely as well. So they can outpace their opponents scoring wise and Markstrom can, can steal a save or two throughout a game. The Canucks are going to be able to pile up some victories. Absolutely. Uh, on Tuesday, we talked about the Colorado Avalanche being close to fully operational. At that point, they had JT Comfer skating between Landeskog and Rantanen. Until with Kadri back, Kadri immediately took that spot between Landeskog and Rantanen. Very interesting spot for Kadri. He also immediately took back that spot on the power play one from Eunice Donskoy. I think Donskoy, despite the McKinnon exposure at even strength, is pretty droppable in a shallow league. While Kadri is someone that I'm probably holding here, I think he kind of has 60 to 65 point upside if these current lines hold. Yeah, I think staying sharp on those line deployments for players like Kadri and Donskoy, I think it's going to be really important. I do have some interest in Donskoy. I've got him in a pretty deep league, um, so I'm holding him for the time being because I still find him interesting. But yeah, there's some players on the patron five uh, that we might bring up who could be uh, an interesting swap. Yeah, he's not a bum. Like, I'm not running out of my way to get rid of Donskoy, but definitely less interesting when he's off that top power play unit. And I do yeah. think that Kadri cleaning up around the first, cleaning up around the net should be helpful. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's good to keep an eye on sort of who should be moving your roster so you can think about, you know, players that you might want to drop when someone really interesting is brought up. Uh, and yeah, Don, Donskoy might be in that position moving forward. Um, depending on how much he's able to produce here with McKinnon without that power play time. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I do try to have a player or two in mind as a drop in case someone really interesting pops up on the waiver wire or someone gets traded and it's like, oh, should I be looking to add that player? You know, sudden changes in value. I definitely try and have that in mind in most of my leagues just in case something big comes up because you don't want to get stuck hovering over that add player button and then get scooped. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. All right, we're going to move right into the Patron 5 now. And of course, the Patron 5 is voted on by patrons of Keeping Carlson. As mentioned earlier, you can become a patron at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. 
Starting off with number five, this is a player that I am ready to do a victory lap on, Lewis. Anthony Duclair, I mentioned him two weeks ago. We did a lottery ticket show where we talked about our favorite player owned in fewer than 25% of Yahoo leagues. I mentioned Duclair, who at that point was owned in 18%. Since that show, seven points in eight games, including two two two-goal games last week. His ownership has doubled. He's up to almost 40% owned in Yahoo. Duclair is now on pace for 38 goals, and he's only shooting 0.5% higher than he shot last year. So I still think 30 goals is in the cards, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, especially if he can keep up his three shots per game right. One downside here that I'm a little nervous about, we're not seeing that full-time exposure to baby Brady Kachuk. He's been split onto a line with Tierney and Nemesnikov, but he is still playing the lion's share of power play time with the littlest TK, which you'll love to see. Uh, looking like he's going to be a Cy Young type, though, who puts up maybe 30, 35 plus goal, 30 to 35 goals, fewer than 20 assists. But if he can get some regression on the assist front, 60 points could still be in the cards for Duke. What do you think about that? 60 points for Duke still hot? No, I think that's starting to look much more reasonable. Um, you know, he is kind of putting himself in a category kind of with like the Anders Lees of the world, um, those uh, big shooters and big converters uh, who aren't going to get you a whole ton of assists. But if you're in a league that is weighted to put goals above assists, uh, really, I mean, appealing already, but really appealing in that setting. I'm with you 100%. Lewis, why don't you tell us number four? All right, number four, we have Yol Armia, uh, a player that I spent some time talking about uh, a week or two back, one that's very interesting to me. He is having a great year in just 30 games. He's essentially tied his even strength output from 57 games played in 2018-19, and he's only got three power play goals and a total PPIPP, so the percentage of... uh, points he's getting in on on the power play is at 30 percent, which is half of his 18 19 rate this year armia is getting uh, a minute and 11 more in even strength time on ice per game and has picked up an extra 35 seconds a game of power play time as well combining with a career best shots per 60 rate this has him on pace for 273 shots if he actually manages to maintain that pace that would more than double his career best If he maintains his 11% shooting rate, he'd have 30 goals, and he's also pacing for over 200 hits. Uh, Looking at the numbers, the points seem sustainable, or even like there could be some room to improve. The shooting percentage is his career best, around 11%, but it's certainly not unsustainably high, and he's right at his expected goals number. Uh, Five of his six assists uh, at even strength are primary assists, uh, and with his even strength IPP down at 50, which is the lowest of career of his career, although not by too much, uh, he should be lucking into a few more secondary assists as time goes on. Uh, what I when I look at Armia, he seems to be doing what we all sort of hoped Josh Anderson would be able to accomplish in 1920. Uh, if you liked Josh Anderson last year, grabbing Yoel Armia seems like a no brainer to me in, for this season. What do you think? Yeah, he's a stud in bangers leagues. I wish that I had held on to him in a few leagues. I I added him and reaped the benefits for a few games and then moved on and now kind of regret having done that. 
Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat. I was cycling him in and out, and then uh, I had him off my roster, and somebody picked him up who saw the sort of longer term value, and so I've I've lost out on my opportunity to to hold him any longer. I'm waiting until maybe there'll be a slow spot and I can grab him. So, Lewis, if you were to project Yolar Mia rest of season, what sort of point pace are you looking at? I think that he is a guy who should pace in the 60s as well. Like I said, I think he'd be picking up a few more assists than he's doing right now. Um, you know, I guess the guys we've been talking about all kind of fit this. Anders Lee, uh, Josh Anderson from last year, not this year, sort of mold. Uh, so, yeah, I see him as a guy who yeah, could could end up in the 60s. Wow, 60 seems hot for me. I think, I think I'm looking at him as a 50-55 point guy. And uh, definitely you're going to get those peripherals. If he can get up to 60, though, that would be someone that would be worth targeting. Moving forward, we are going to go into perhaps the number one overall pick in your fantasy league this year, Nikita Kucherov, who pacing for 93 points would somehow be his lowest point pace since 2015-2016 when he put up 70 points. I know, it's just awful. He put up 70 point pace over 77 games that year, ever since he's been 94 points or better, including last year's 128-point Art Ross winning season. Owners who spent a first overall pick definitely disappointed as he now trails McDavid by 24 points to this point in the season. Most concerning thing here for Kucherov is his he does have a declining shot rate, well down from his career high of 279 two years ago. He's on a full season pace of 235. That number's not horrific you know and it's actually not a big drop in shot rate it looks to be more of a drop off in ice time he's down about 70 seconds per night that's about 50 seconds of even strength and 20 seconds power play time on ice you're not going to notice that each game but over the course of the season it is a reduction in the ceiling if it sticks moving forward I think his on ice shooting percentage is low at even strength and that'll rebound and his personal his personal shooting percentage is on the low side on the power play but not dramatically low. It's more like a goalpost of, what you know, last year he shot 20, this year he's shooting nine. I would expect it to be closer to the middle of that moving forward, shooting about 15% on the power play. So I do think that we'll see a bounce back from Kucherov, not to last year's high of a nearly 130-point season, but I would think that we'll see a 110-point pace from Kucherov rest of season. Good enough to be your second or third overall pick, but I think it's pretty clear that Connor McDavid was the right call this offseason. Yeah, definitely. I wonder if we're seeing a little bit of the ripple effect from last year's humiliating first round sweep at the hands of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, you know, losing 70 seconds a night at even strength is, you know, not a huge cut, but I wonder if they are trying to preserve their top players a little bit more than they did as they just roasted their way through the NHL on the way to a president's trophy, having a little bit more emphasis on the postseason than reaching great heights during the regular season, given that they are likely to make the playoffs. It's definitely possible. And it it is also possible that this is the sort of thing where, you know, we were just seeing a little bit of a smaller sample size bear out it 70 seconds. It's not great to see the reduction, but I'm not, you know, guaranteed that he's losing deployment here. It's, could just be one of those things where it just sort of shook out this way. Maybe they haven't had enough overtime games, and we'll see that moving forward. Mm. Uh, but definitely, yeah, to to start the season, not the greatest look. But, I mean, there's not that much more to say about Kucherov. He's been a stud. He'll be a stud. 
If you can get him for a 90-point pace, if you could flip, I don't know, uh, Miko Rantanen into Nikita Kucherov at this point, I'd be okay with that. Yep, a guy who I think will will certainly rebound on his pace, we hope to see. He had a bit of a slow start last year, too, so uh, hopefully, yeah, he'll be on the mend. Let's talk about another player who reached some really spectacular highs in the past but hasn't quite picked up where he left off. A lot of hue and cry over the status of Vincent Trocek. Uh, Trocek was a league-winning late pick in 27-18 who scored 75 points, uh, had great hits and shots numbers. Um, but here in 1920, uh, there are some real concerns about his production. Uh, so last year in 1819, uh, Trocek had a terrible ankle injury. Um, he came back shockingly quickly uh, relative to how that injury sort of looked. He just wasn't able to reproduce that torrid pace from 2017-18. Uh, and basically so far this year has been more of that 18-19 injury-riddled season for Trocek. Um, the decline in shot rate over these three years, I think, is probably the most concerning, and it mirrors declining minutes in all situations and a falling shots per 60 rate. Uh, it looks like a major culprit is the power play, where Trocek has lost 90 seconds of power play time on ice since his peak in 1718. And the play on the power play also seems to be passing him by. He is currently sporting a career-low power play IPP. So there's room for regression there where he could lock into a few more power play points, especially his secondary assists seem pretty low. Uh, And in his shooting percentage, which is even with last year, uh, around 6.5%, but is almost 4% below his 17-18 rate. Uh, Unless his deployment improves, he's starting to look a little bit like Mark Giordano, who had that outstanding uh, season. But rather than having that be the new normal, it's starting to look more like an exception to the rule. Uh, Trocek does have more time to recapture that magic, at least, compared to Giordano. But I think we need to downgrade expectations, especially in points and shots for Trocek moving forward. Yeah, I think the big thing with Trocek is how is he going to get on? How is how what is his path to top power play minutes? Because he's so clearly blocked by Barkov, Dodonov, Huberto, and Hoffman on that top unit. So I, the ceiling just comes off when he's not going to get that primo deployment. You know, maybe next year when we see you know uh, Dodonov. And Hoffman potentially leaving Florida uh, to explore free agency if they can't afford to keep them around, especially with that big Bobrovsky contract. Uh, He might get a shot if they want some more veteran presence on that power play one. But you also might see players like Owen Tippett uh, getting thrust into that role to, to kind of get some early success for some of their young stars. There's plenty of young talent uh, in the system in uh, Florida that could potentially pass him by. So if we had to eyeball a point pace for Vincent Trocek for the rest of the season, Lewis, where where do you fall? So right now he's pacing, I believe, for 40, uh, what do we see, 48 points. Uh, I do think he could have a little more luck, especially with uh, the power play and with those secondary assists. Um, so I might put him on a 50, 55 point pace. But if you're looking for someone who's going to shoot and hit and score points, wouldn't you rather have a Duclair or an Armia than Vincent Trocek right now? Something I don't think we would have considered during the offseason. 
Yeah, I think I would prefer Armia just because he's been actually producing and you might see some power play points. But overall, I think that that's sort of the same player as what we're looking at from Trocek. Uh, 50-55 sounds about right to me long-term with pretty decent peripherals, although those hits have really fallen off from the highs of the last couple of years. So that's something to monitor, absolutely. If I were to rank the three at this point, I think I would go Duclair, Armia, Trocek. That's the order that I would have put them into. Love when we agree. All right, we'll get into the final member of our patron five this week. And as as teased earlier on, it is a member of the San Jose Sharks. Patron Mason James writes, Thomas Hurdle, Tomas Hurdle started the year 21 points in 22 games pre-injury. He's hurt, misses some time. Four points in eight games since the injury. Has anything changed or should he get back to near point per game pace? The first thing that I want to look at is deployment. And Hurdle faced some deployment issues since returning. The Sharks have been messing with that top unit, as I mentioned, and Hurdle hasn't been a part of it for the past few games. That's going to reduce his ice time and his ability to score. The other thing is that we've seen Hurdle miss some time in-game in only the last eight games, which in such a small sample is also going to affect what we're seeing in his average time on ice. So I'm not overly concerned about Hurdle's deployment moving forward, but in the short term, yes, it, it does look to be a bit of a concern. The shot rate has also dropped since the injury, which you don't love to see, especially from a player who's only hit 200 shots in a season once in his career. Last year, he scored 35 goals, but that campaign was fueled by an almost 20% shooting percentage, and that is not likely to return. It is too early to know how Bugner is going to run the power play long term, but I do think Hurdle will get a shot to get back up there at some point, and that'll determine whether he can be the 80-point pace player he was last year, or if he's more of a 65-point guy this year. I do tend to think it's somewhere in the middle, and I think Hurdle will finish around a 70 to 75 point pace guy, especially if he can get up back on that power play one unit. And who knows, maybe Bugner can do something there to juice these totals because the Sharks have struggled all season. It would be nice to see Hurdle be one of those guys who stirs the drink moving forward. Yeah, I think 65 points, uh, 60-65 is probably right where he should be. Um, But yeah, if we see some major change for the Sharks, uh, hopefully we could see him really cash in if he can start to perform. Yeah, I would definitely be okay with making a buy low on Hurdle if the owner is getting antsy in your league. I've seen a few members of uh, Keeping Carlson Facebook group leave Hurdle on the bench in recent weeks. And it's hard to argue when he's been so cold, but hopefully he gets back up there. And in the meantime, we can all do a little buy-in low. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Lewis, that's all we have time for today. Uh, For myself, Ben Burnett, I'm signing out of here. I will be back on Saturday morning with the weekly Keeping Carlson patron-only Facebook group Saturday morning streaming series. I will be streaming from my kitchen and joined live and in person by our cohort jade bateen i'm very excited for that i hope you will all join us for the saturday morning stream get your sit starts get your ad drop questions answered a little bit of nonsense that show is always super fun lewis why don't you take us out of here all right well we want to thank fan tracks yahoo hockey reference corsica hockey frozen tools and our pal thorny for his excellent uh, ad read for us at the start of the show Uh, So thanks to all of those awesome hockey resources for helping us research our show. Uh, We'll see you again next week. And until then, play smart and keep your shifts short.